Good morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. Part of what that statement means is that as a spiritual family, we love unconditionally, speak truthfully, care compassionately, encourage intentionally, and forgive graciously. Are we perfect in all those areas? Of course not. But we are growing as we give ourselves to the person of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the character of Christ who did all these things. And that's what we want to be like. That's what we aspire to be like Jesus. Today the Holy Spirit desires to speak to you. He's spoken to my heart, and I know he wants to speak to your heart through his word. And we open up the word of God on a weekly basis, and we listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit through his word. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to us about power in our study of Joseph. When I started this study, my, my brother gave me a book by Robert Morris on Joseph, and he writes about the test that Joseph had to take. It's an interesting study. Joseph, he just kept getting up and going to the classroom, taking one exam after another, right? Started in the pit. So he had the pit test, then the palace test, and the purity test. Last week we talked about the prison test. And we all go through similar tests, don't we? In your life, in my life. Not in the same degree, but we take plenty of, of exams every single day. Today in our study, Joseph is coming out of prison. And in a day, suddenly, he becomes the second most powerful man in the world. It really is an unbelievable story. One night, he goes to bed in jail, prisoner. The next day, he's the prince of the most powerful nation on the earth. Second in command. Sometimes God works like that in your life. You may be in a prison today, and I'm not promising you that tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to be in a palace. But God does do suddenlies in our lives. That test that you're going through, at some point, God's going to say, test over. You, you, you passed. I love when he does that. Beloved, things can change that fast in your life. How could a person be ready for that kind of power that Joseph had? By taking all those tests prior and passing, that's how. Joseph was ready, even though he didn't know what was coming the next day. He had no idea, but he could handle the power given to him because he was already found trustworthy. In that purity test, he was found trustworthy. In that, that pit, he was found trustworthy. So we're going to talk about power today. When I say that word, power, what kind of images go through your brain? In the church, we, we sound a warning often. 
And we talk about making sure that we, we're careful that we don't abuse and misuse power. Sometimes power is cast in a negative light. But in the story of Joseph, power is brought forth in a positive light. Joseph was a very powerful person. God could trust him with power. He used it for God's glory. He saves his family and a nation. So we all have to take the power test, which is learning how to steward our own God-given authority. And that's what I want you to think about when you go home today. How am I stewarding the power that God has given to me? We all operate with some measure of power at some level of of authority with various responsibilities. And it takes power to be responsible at home. We exercise power. There's various structures of authority in the family. At work, right? There's job descriptions and there's org charts and there's people to report to. And we learn what what it means to submit to authority, right? And we have various levels of power in that org chart. In ministry, if you're a life group leader or a a worker in youth ministry or children's ministry, God has given to you power that you can use for God's glory. You'd say, I don't think I have much power. You do. Everyone does in some measure. So whatever measure of power and influence you have, whether great or small, God wants to use it for his glory. Is that in that story? I think it's in the story. So we're going to read Genesis 41, starting the last verse in Genesis 39, verse 23. The the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. You remember that part of the story? When two full years had passed. Now, he'd been in that prison, I think, for 13 years total. Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today 
I am reminded of my shortcomings two years earlier. He met Joseph. He had a dream. It came true. He was restored, right, to his job. Verse 10, Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me, and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard, each of us had a dream the, the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpret, interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And the things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon in prison. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. What did Pharaoh do? He stuck out his chest. He got proud and said, yeah, I'm the man. You could count on me. No. He said, I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, and he told him the dream. You can read that again in Genesis 41. And what did Joseph do? Verse 25, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. And he lets him know exactly, here's what it means. This is what's going to happen to the land of Egypt. Famine will come. And then Pharaoh goes, I got to find someone to put in charge. And you know what he did. He said, you're the guy. Joseph. Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of the God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to, to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. It's a cool story. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, his, his own ring, right? It wasn't someone else's ring. He took his own ring and gave it to him put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as a second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph had the signet ring. Now that ring had power. It made Frodo's ring <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings child's play. 
My, Steph, my, my son, Stefan's best friend, Charlie, when, when this is a few years ago, when the, the latest uh, Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit movie came out, that was, what, three, four years ago? And uh, the, the theater had a great idea. You can, you can come to the, the, the preview of the upcoming newest movie, but you got to watch every single movie beforehand in order. So what did Charlie do? He said, Stefan, we can watch the new movie before anyone else does, but here's what we got to do. Somehow you got to get out of school, all right? And we got him out of school. I think it was an unexcused absence, all right? And they went. They, they, they went to the theater at like 8 o'clock in the morning, and they watched every single movie, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, to the very end, 15 buckets of popcorn <laughs> later, two gallons of Coca-Cola. They were, they were sick for days. <laughs> oh, my words. He came home and was like, what happened to you? He was groaning. Frodo's ring had make-believe power, but Joseph's ring had real power. I mean, you show that ring off, and it's like, you do what this guy says. He has the power. Now, you may not walk around with a signet ring on your finger, and if you have one of those, put it away, all right? Even an imaginary one. You may not walk around with a ring on your finger, but you do have a measure of power and influence. Even my three-year-old granddaughter, Addie, has power and influence. <laughs> when she comes over to our house, she, has, she calls it her own bedroom, my bedroom. It's not her bedroom, it's Andra's bedroom when Andra comes home. But Addie has all her toys there, the toys that she has to keep at Grandma's house, in, in my bedroom, she goes into her bedroom, and she pulls out her, her toys, and then she's got this cool dollhouse. And then she'll bring this dollhouse out into the living room, and when she opens it up, it becomes her own world. Right there. A, a five to seven foot diameter bubble. If you enter into that bubble, you are not, no longer in charge. She's in charge. She tells you how to play the game. If you say anything that's not quite right, she'll say, no, 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 that's not how you say it. That's not what you say. It is her world. She has the power. Where did that come from? Someone say, that's, that's, that, that's the result of the, of the fall. Well, yeah, if you misuse and abuse it, I think it comes from God. God created us from the beginning to have a measure of power. And he wants to give it. He's looking for those who can be trusted with it. Look at Joseph again. In the story, he doesn't, you didn't read anything in that story that said the power that Joseph received was a bad thing. No, it wasn't a bad thing. 
Now, if Joseph wouldn't have passed the previous test, he would have misused and abused that power. But because he was tried through the fire of affliction, I mean, he was ready. 13 years in prison. He could have said, oh, you know, it's finally time that I can kind of live my own life. I mean, look at what I went through. I'm going to worry about me. No, it's not how he approached it. You didn't read that in the story itself. All those other tests, they were tests about, they came through the hard times, right? But this test was not about being sold into slavery or falsely accused or forgotten. The power test is different. It has to do with how we respond when something good happens. How do you respond to success and the power and influence that comes with it? Does it go to your head? How do you respond to the authority that's been given to you? That's the end of the sermon at the end of our time together. It's how do you steward your own God-given authority? Don't minimize, well, I don't have much authority or I don't have a lot of power. Don't minimize that. You'll miss the point. So what are you going to do with what you have? Joseph's character was refined in the fire. He was ready. If he doesn't have that character, he, he, he falls. He misuses God's blessing for his own selfish reasons. This may come as a surprise, but God's blessings can be just as much as a test as tribulations. Because blessings involve responsibility and responsibility requires character. So we're all going to go through the power test. What are some areas in your life that you have authority and responsibility? just want you to think about that now. I thought a lot about my own life as, as a husband, as a father, as a a pastor in the ministry that the Lord's allowed me the privilege to serve in. There comes with it, obviously, with all of those positions. It's like, what do I do with the power that has been given to me? How do I steward that? thought a lot about my twin boys, A.J. and Ashton, who are special needs boys. They're going to be 17 here in a couple of weeks. It's just, it's like amazing. And I thought, well, they, they have certain 
power and roles and responsibilities. When these guys are shown a task within their level of understanding and ability and modeled exactly what you want them to do and how to do it, they take what power that has been given to them and I don't know anybody who, who uses that power more faithfully than these guys. I mean, they are just incredible. If dogs could talk. When we lived out in the country, we had two out, out, outdoor dogs, and they, they lived in a kennel in the garage. It was a nice little kennel. One was a, was a lab a yellow lab, big wide-body lab. And, and her name was Raksha, of all names. We didn't name that dog. We, we accepted that dog because the dog needed, you know, a home. And the, the, it came with the name Raksha. It's like, well, do I have to say this like all the time now? Raksha. <laughs> and, and that dog, it, it kind of had a certain psychology going on there you know it could if you if you didn't say anything to it or kind of didn't talk to it i mean it took things personal <laughs> and some of you've heard this story but i had a motorcycle i have a motorcycle i bought a, bought a brand new seat and put it on and i must not have petted that dog the right way a couple of times because one day I go look, I look at my, my, my motorcycle and there's this chunk out of the seat. <laughs> it's like, it's this dog, it's Raksha. <laughs> you remember that dog. Deanna was, was trying to move Raksha. She was sitting in the middle of the garage and she had, she had to get to something or she had to get this dog to move and this dog would not obey Deanna. I mean, she's trying to push this dog, put her arms in the car and pull this dog and this dog will not move. So Aunt Deanna just calls out for one of the twins. AJ, come over here. He comes over. Tell the dog to move. Raksha. AJ says. That dog gets up and goes wherever AJ says. Because he what? He has the power. He had the authority. He was given a task. They were given a task. The task was this. We will show you exactly how to take care of these dogs and when it was time Every single morning, the first thing they did, they would, you'd hear them scamper. They'd come down the steps. They would go out. They would let the dog out. They would, they would knock the ice out of the, the, the dish, fresh water, food, take that dog outside. They got another dog, Sierra, great Pyrenees, a beautiful dog. I mean, these dogs love their master. And it wasn't me. I mean, I had no power and authority over those dogs. They didn't really listen to me. But they listened to them. 
point I'm trying to make is this. We all have responsibility over something. And everyone will be tested by that responsibility. How do you respond when you're given responsibility or authority? You have to give an account someday for that. All of us. My twins will give an account. They'll stand before the Lord. And they're going to, I think they're just going to receive so much more than I could even dream. You say, well, you're the pastor and you impact and influence X amount of people. And it's like, I may have been given five talents. They may be have given one talent. What are we going to be judged on? What God gives us, the ability that he gives us, right? Every single one of us. And God's going to say, you guys took that authority, that power I gave you, and whenever you were given a chance to shine, you did it. Here, look at the reward. I want to go knocking on their door and say, hey, guys, can you let me in? What's the purpose of power? I close with this, Acts 10, 38. The Bible tells us that God gave power to Jesus when Jesus walked on the earth. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And what did he do? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God gave Jesus power. And what did Jesus do with that power? He went about doing good deeds. And he's given you power. He gave Joseph power. And he found a man in Joseph who would be humble, who would be faithful, who would be a good steward. And he looked his brothers in the eyes when they came and were confronted with their past and their sin. And he basically said to them, the power that's been granted to me is to save you. It's not for me. So Joseph said to these guys, this power was never meant for me. I mean, I've been influenced by it. Yeah, I'm second in command. And I have all these kinds of things. But in the end, read it, Genesis 45, 4 through 8, Joseph said, it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. To preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here. Verse 8, chapter 45. But God, he made me Father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt to save you. So I spent a lot of time just praying and asking God to forgive me, first of all, for ways that I've 
misused and abused the power that he's given to me. It's not a bad thing. Power is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It can be used for bad things, but it comes ultimately from God. It comes for the purpose of helping others. You may not even know how much influence you have, but you do have it. And you can make a tremendous impact in people's lives. If you just submit. That's what meekness is. It's power under control, under the control of the master, Jesus Christ. So let's just spend a few moments in prayer today. I want you just to to bow your head, if you will. Find that quiet place in your heart. What's the Holy Spirit just speaking to your heart today about the power that he's blessed you with, the influence that you can have and make on people's lives? Maybe you just need to say, God, I just want you to sanctify it, set it apart again. Someday I'm going to stand before you, give an account. I just want to go on record in my own heart today. I don't always know my my motive, the true motive of my heart, Lord. But I want it to be purified today. Lord, I, I would ask that even as I think of my own boys and I would like to be more like them. They might think, I'd like to be like my dad. I see him up there preaching every Sunday. I'd like to be like my dad. And I, I think the truth is, AJ, Ashton, I'd like to be more like you. Because your motive is so pure before God. And you just serve others. You do it joyfully, without complaining, without even understanding that somehow my motives could be impure and about me. So, God. We want to be like Jesus. We want to serve others. So purify our hearts now. So offer offer up your own prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day that we could gather together as a family, 
and worship you and listen for your voice. It's a great way to start the week. So Lord, this week is yours. We just give it to you on this Sunday. Be glorified in how we conduct ourselves this week. Draw others to yourself through us, God. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.